After a long absence, the Brotherly Sports Podcast is back. It's the Brotherly Sports Podcast presented by The Fans Place. I'm your host, Wex, and alongside the brothers, Rory and Connor Billing. And we got a lot to catch up on as we've been without a podcast for the past few weeks. It has been a few weeks, I think. It's been a pretty pretty busy few weeks on the football sport side, too. So definitely a lot to talk about and a lot to discuss as we go through this. Well, let's not waste any time. We got to get this going. Right off the bat, hot and cold performances of the week. Touch the handle. If it's hot, there could be a fire in the hallway. Ah, my hand, that's hot. This was hot too. What does warm mean? Connor, what did you have? I had the the Steelers and Seahawks, both Steelers as an AFC favorite compared to the Chiefs, really, and the Seahawks, who started off really strong, have been a little hot and cold in the end, both losing to, of all teams, NFC East opponents, which I believe the last podcast we had, we talked down the NFC East and and maybe we said it too early or maybe the Steelers and the Seahawks have really just gotten lucky over the, the first half of the season and a few more. We know the Steelers have had a pretty easy strength of schedule. The Seahawks have relied on Russell Wilson magic late in games and it looks like that's coming up to, to bite them a little bit. Another team, I would say, is very well-rounded. The Seahawks' defense is, is, is very bad. The Steelers don't have a running game, and so they fell prey to, to the Redskins and that pass rush and what they were able to do. So I think we're starting to see the NFC East pick, pick it up a little bit, or maybe we're seeing that the, the Steelers and the Seahawks really aren't as good as the records say. Yeah, and it's hard to tell with such a weird year. I mean, the first five weeks of the season were essentially a crapshoot because we had no preseason games to get an idea of what we were looking at and very limited OTAs and summer stuff. And it's been so hard to judge the talent and the skill level and the overall performance of teams just because of the lack of sample size and the different oddities, the, you know, the COVID restrictions and cancellations, postponements here and there. You know, Wednesday afternoon football at 3.40 p.m. I mean, only in 2020, right? That's been a, a, a pretty crazy year. The interesting thing about the Seahawks is they, they tend to be a team that starts slow, and then towards the end of the year they get better and better, and they either sneak into the playoffs or they're really hitting their stride. Um, so a bit odd to see Russell Wilson stumble against the Giants, but that leads me into my hotter cold performance of the week, which is the NFC least, maybe losing the L this week in more ways than one beating both um, the Giants beating the Seahawks, the uh, Washington football team beating the Steelers and tonight um, Dallas with probably not great chance, but a possible, you know, possibility to knock off the Ravens. Um, They could go three for four this week. And and to be fair, the Eagles weren't all that far away from the Packers on Sunday either. Um, You know, out of all those teams to me, I think the Washington, you know, Washington, I was trying to figure out a way to say that without saying Washington football team, because that name just, it just bothers me. But I think Washington looks like the most complete team out of, out of the ones in the NFC East. Um, Alex Smith, you know, has returned and, and really has looked pretty good. Um, he's a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't beat you. Um, the Washington defense is pretty strong. You've got Montez Sweat and Chase Young on the defensive line. They've got, couple of good cornerbacks and, and, and a decent linebacking crew. And then Antonio Gibson got banged up this week, but the, the one, two combo of Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick and the backfield um, 
really is, is, is pretty, is a pretty talented combo. So um, they're at least going to be a very tough out if they make the playoffs, not, not predicting a, a deep playoff run, but, but they could make some noise in the wild card round and, and certainly are not going to be a team that, that, a, that another NFC team is going to want to face. Yeah. And even before his injury, back when he was playing in the AFC West, you know, with Kansas city, Alex Smith was known as the check down guy. He was going to game manage. He was going to make the smart decision. He might not be flashy like Patrick Mahomes or, you know, Michael Vick back in the day where he was just dominant, whether it was a video game or not, Alex Smith is just going to do what's necessary and the bare minimum to keep his team, you know, in possession and in control. And I think he's shown that he still can do that and is very capable of leading a team. Right. And, you know, Ron Rivera is, I mean, he's game planning around that. He, he, J.D. McKissick is catching five to 10 passes a game, either out of the backfield or going out into the slot and running as a wide receiver. Logan Thomas, I think, had nine or 10 catches in this last game. He's getting more involved. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin is always sort of the deep threat there. Um, and he, he seems to still get his touches. But you're right. I, they're, they're doing a really good job as the season's gone on of, of sort of finding where they fit and, and finding an identity. Um, and uh, look like it looked like a decent team coming into the home stretch here. For me, the hot performance of the week, the Indiana Hoosiers football team moving up to 10th in the AP poll. And are they going to play Purdue or is it going to get canceled? I'm a mm, Ohio state just got canceled against Michigan. I think IU. well, I don't know. I'm going to say no. But I, I think they have a better chance of playing, obviously, than I, than I thought OSU in, in Michigan did. Um, and you I, mentioned – Do I detect some homerism in your hot or cold of the week? Well, Just, I figured I'd mention it. You know, we had a good couple games while we were away. And interesting, interestingly enough, I read that now that the game is officially canceled between Michigan and Ohio State, it's the first time that they haven't played that game since 1917 and that was due to world war one yeah i think uh obviously osu michigan and i believe wisconsin minnesota have been played for each year if not longer than osu michigan right around that same that same length and they were canceled earlier this year so i think we'll be seeing a lot of those types of streaks come to a close here unfortunately this year with a lot of cancellations, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about later in the podcast, will make the, the college football selection pretty interesting. Yeah, and the Oak and Bucket game between Indiana and Purdue goes back to 1891. And I think it was 1919 that they had to cancel it because the Purdue team got in a terrible train crash at the old train station in downtown Indianapolis commuting to the game. And it's been played pretty much every single year since. Can you imagine a, a football team traveling to play another football team on a train today? That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Although I think some of these hard-nosed coaches would do that as a punishment if they were going in-state. I feel like Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh of Michigan, would be the guy to make his guys ride the train to East Lansing if he really thought that he had control of the locker room, trying to pump guys up and build toughness or whatever. I sounds like a Harbaugh thing to do. All right, let's stop making fun of Harbaugh, both the Harbaugh's for that matter. We got the Ravens talking later, but let's move on to what we liked and hated. Music, 
sweet music. For me, I had a like, and it was the Washington football team handing the Steelers their first loss of the season. Pittsburgh is now 11 and one and Washington is now five and seven. And in the hunt, at least, if not in possibly the driver's seat of that NFC East. For me, my like and hates really mostly dislikes with one like the end of the Jets Raiders game. I think that's about as close as you'll get to a team throwing a football game at the end. I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen an NFL team with an all out blitz, leaving man on man coverage on the outside when you're within Hail Mary range for, for Derek Carr. Obviously, was fired the defensive coordinator was fired the next day not sure if there are some conspiracies behind that but I think that's as close as you get leaving one of the fastest wide receivers ever to run the 40 in Henry Ruggs <laughs> Jr. against one-on-one with your defensive back with the game on the line just ridiculous call um so interesting to see how that boils out also it's the COVID cancellations all over college football throwing a wrench into just about everything. I know our Bearcats haven't played in three weeks due to COVID cancellations, which I'm sure Rory will hit on in his his love and hate this week. But what I did like was Coastal Carolina and BYU pulling a game together in three days and trying to figure out a way to to get some group five PR out there to show that there are really good group five teams that can play just shows you that if two teams really want to make it happen, they can make a game happen. So these non-Power 5 conferences that are say they try to challenge Power 5 teams, it probably is true that it actually does happen and the Power 5 teams just say no because it's of no benefit to them. It would only really benefit the Group 5 teams. So hopefully we'll see more and more of this happen. And maybe if UC can sneak another game on their schedule somehow, it seems unlikely, but Right now, they've only got the the conference championship left, but these COVID cancellations are really causing some some interesting things to happen in the college football season. Yeah, it's like college football has just turned into a bunch of barnstorming teams, like the first Cincinnati Reds team in 1869, just playing whoever they possibly can or whoever happens to be in town that week, you know, Mm -hmm. just throwing together games with the local all-stars. It feels like everybody's just kind of picking and choosing and it's hilarious to see these get scheduled and pop up on the ticker when you didn't see them in your program from week one. Yeah. I think it makes it more, more exciting. It was obviously, it was fun to see BYU and coastal Carolina and maybe other, maybe not this year because of COVID, but wouldn't surprise me if other teams try to do that when they have a bye week if these power non-power five teams try to find ways to slot in games when obviously a normal schedule doesn't afford quite that flexibility, but maybe trying to find a way to do that to, to give themselves a better chance at what looks like near impossibility to break into the college football playoff. If you're not in one of those power power five conferences. Did you guys ever go to summer camp and play games like that during the day when you were kids, like a summer camp? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the game that the camp counselors have you play where everybody gets into a big uh, blob of people and just starts playing rock, paper, scissors with whoever they see next. And then eventually you've got two people standing in the middle with uh, everybody that they've beaten standing behind them, just chanting. Yes. That's how it feels like. That's what it seems to me is happening with the non power five schools that they're just 
chanting back and forth at each other, trying to hype each other up to see who gets to go play with the big kids in the power five conferences in the playoff. Well, it's, it's funny about that. And in my, it's kind of dovetails nicely into my hate for the week, which um, the college football playoff rankings just came out uh, right before we're recording this. So I, I'm pretty hot on this topic at the moment, but you know, college basketball, what you just described with the rock, paper, scissors, that's pretty much March madness. I mean, everybody and their mother gets in the tournament. They play a bunch of games and you, you really can't tell me at the end of the year that the best team in college basketball either didn't win that tournament or didn't have every opportunity to prove they were the best team. And then, you know, didn't actually win. UConn 2011, they were a joke until they got to the elite eight. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think the, the thing about the college football playoff that to me is, is frustrating is, is you can't, you obviously can't have a 60, 14 playoff in college football because you can't have these kids out there playing that many football games in a year. It just doesn't. Let's, let's at least go to eight, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think eight's probably the right number because I think outside of eight, you know, if you're eight or nine, you might be mad that you didn't get in, but you can't really argue that you should have a chance to, to win the championship. Um, especially if there are some guard rules in place to make sure the best group of five team is, is part of that, those eight teams, you have a couple at large spots. Um, yeah. What if you have five, the conference championships from the big, the power five conferences or the conference champion, however you want to do it, get an automatic bid. And then the three at large spots go to the highest rated group of five, uh, group of five, or if there's nobody inside the top 15, then you just get Georgia after they lost to Alabama. Right. Right. And to me, it makes, and I think it's a fair shake. It is a fair shake. And the, the problem is you look at this committee and I did a lot of actually did quite a bit of research on this before we had this conversation. You know, the guy who chairs the committee is Gary Barta who's the athletic director for Iowa. Connor and I actually talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It makes absolutely no sense to us that, that guys who are athletic directors for their colleges are, are on this committee to determine the rankings for college football teams. And, and they do, I believe, recuse themselves. when they're Yeah, out. Archie Manning started the tradition of recusing and stepping out if your t- school is being talked about. And right. Notre Dame's AD, I think, was not thrilled with that idea because no one was talking about Notre Dame, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, I mean, part of me wonders how, how much of that is really going on. Part of me also wonders, I mean, you didn't recuse yourself, you know, the week leading up to the rankings when you're talking to all your buddies about, you know, how, how the thing was going to go down anyway. So, you, you kind of look at these rankings and you look at an Iowa who is number 16 and the newest college football rankings. They're five and two. They haven't beaten a single ranked team. They've lost to Northwestern who looks like a decent team. Um, and they lost to, I think it was Purdue in the first game of the year. And Purdue is not ranked. And somehow they're three spots ahead of a nine and one Louisiana team who beat Iowa state, who somehow jumped up to number seven and whose only loss on the year is against coastal Carolina. Who's in the top 15. I mean, you just, these types of things just don't make any sense. And then you look at Iowa State and they're ranked as a two-loss team. They've lost to um, Oklahoma State, which is a decent-ish team. And they lost to the same Louisiana team we just talked about, who is nine and one, whose only loss came against a much better team, in my opinion, than Oklahoma State. I, I think at this point in the season, you could potentially argue that Iowa State's a better football team. But based on what's actually happened in the football that's been played to this point, there's no way you can argue, argue for a 12-point rankings gap between an 8-2 and two Ohio State team or Iowa State team that lost to a 9-1 and one Louisiana team. And so the only, the, really the only explanation for this is a massive bias for the Power Five conferences over the group of five teams. And I would say that five, six years ago, 
you'd probably be justified in a lot of those arguments. But now, I mean, you look at the depth in the American conference and obviously, you know, we're a little more predisposed to watching that because you see it in the conference. Um, you look at the depth in some of these other conferences and the PAC 12 might as well be a group of five conference at this point, um, <laughs> based on, you know, the, the lack of quality that you see out on and those football teams. And yet an undefeated PAC 12 team might leapfrog a, a, an undefeated Cincinnati team simply because they're in the PAC 12. I, I just think it's time to take a real hard look at that, at that whole situation. It felt like 2020 was maybe the year that something crazy I'm using air quotes, because I don't think it's all that crazy would happen. And one of these group of five teams would actually get a chance. But, you know, watching Iowa State at eight and two leapfrog an undefeated Cincinnati team with a much better strength of record. I believe UC strength of record was seven and Iowa State's 14 um, has made it pretty clear that barring something insane happening in this, these final few weeks, you know, a, a group of five team is not going to make the, the playoffs. So the best the best thing that that as a group of five fan, the best thing you can hope for now is that Coastal Carolina beats Louisiana, Cincinnati remains undefeated and beats Tulsa in the conference championship. They both get matched up with two good teams on New Year's, you know, group of uh, the New Year's six bowl games, and they both just come out and dominate. I mean, that, that's the only way as a group of five team you can hope to be in that conversation for next year. Now I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> and you just mentioned Coastal Carolina in there briefly. They are 10 and 0. It feels like they just popped up and they've already played 10 games. Whereas Ohio State are lucky that they've gotten to five games. And it's just weird how the committee doesn't even take into account the fact that, you know, one team is doing really well with the protocols and one team, whether they're doing poorly with the protocols or they're getting unlucky. I mean, they're just not playing games flat out, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, <laughs> I, I could probably go another hour on, on which teams don't deserve to be ranked above other, above other teams. I mean, your, your Indiana team, I don't understand why I use not ranked higher than Iowa state. The only team. Well, because we Iowa. lost our star quarterback because my uh, Mike Penix tore his ACL and he's done for the season. I think the committee was hesitant to throw us up there because if we have Penix, we blow everybody else out that we played after he got injured and it would have been, you know, a top eight, top seven IU team. Yeah, and that's fair. But IU then went went out and beat. You still beat Wisconsin. What sixteen to seven over the weekend? Um, mm -hmm. Who was you know Wisconsin's supposed to be a very good team. Fourteen uh, to six. Yeah, that was a classic Big Ten game. <laughs> yeah, I two just, field goals. Man, I don't know. I, I I think that what it comes down to for me is this: is is you know you you kind of expect there's so much money in professional sports that when things happen that you kind of expect things to happen that, that maybe no one wants to happen. You expect the same teams to rise to the top. You sort of expect to, to see that college football is college sports are supposed to be pure. It's supposed to be entirely about these student athletes who aren't getting paid any money and are really out there. You know, a lot of them are obviously not scholarships, but they're mostly out there for the love of the game. You, you just really want everybody to get a fair shake in that situation. And there, there's just something about, you know, 13 guys who are in the sport sitting in a room together like the cabal of, you know, NCAA football. Just and glancing into their crystal ball in the meeting yeah. room. And choosing who gets ranked when so many of them come from schools that are perennially decent football teams and are going to be in the top 25. It, it just feels very, very unfair. Um, and, and there's just really no way to prove that that it, that it is as fair as possible. It just, it just feels like it, it's something that needs to be adjusted. Well, we can put the issue of solving the college football playoff problem 
on our list next to solving world hunger and world peace. So in the meantime, speaking of the world, let's move on to world football, soccer, the English Premier League. Storyline so far this season in the Champions League, Man United almost knocked out. They are struggling. And a weird issue today in the Istanbul versus pre-St. Germain game with the racism and all the players walked off the field in protest. Rory, what was going on there? Yeah, I guess um, the head official was was trying to, to card one of the coaches on the Istanbul sideline, I believe, and the fourth official, he asked the fourth official which coach it was, and the fourth official referred to the coach as the black guy. So all of the the, the players, and rightfully so, protested, essentially walked off the, the pitch. That game was suspended. The reason United are on the verge of being knocked out is because if uh, PSG were to win or draw in that game, United will be knocked out, but I don't believe they ended up actually finishing that game, so we're not entirely sure. Um, so it's an, it's an unfortunate event, you know, unfortunately these things happen a lot more than I think anybody realizes. Um, and if that, if that gets forfeited, that goes down as a three nil victory, correct? Uh, that I don't that know. Forfeit? Because, oh, because yeah. champions league. Well, it would, if it would, if it would be a forfeit, but I don't think either team is going to forfeit. So I'm not sure. I, I think, I believe when I last I read that was being suspended and they were going to either replay it or, or come back to the, come back to the match. So hopefully they finish that out. But I will say, you know, it, it feels like um, the, the premiership and a lot of these international soccer leagues are, are really um, stepping up to the plate when it comes to racism from fans, when it comes to racism within the sport. Um, so, so hopefully they're able to make, you know, s- some progress there. Um, elsewhere in the, the Champions League, um, you've got a couple big matches tomorrow to determine who goes through to the round of 16 Atletico versus Salzburg Real Madrid could be knocked out if they can't beat Borussia Mönchengladbach Mönchengladbach thank you Borussia Mönchengladbach yeah <laughs> I had to look up I tried to look up how to pronounce that before before this uh, pod but I wasn't sure if they were to get through then all four German teams would actually be in the final 16 which is a pretty big coup for the the Bundesliga yeah, Bundesliga definitely making a good push. And in the English Premier League, through eight match days, the table, Rory, in your words, you said is starting to look more normal from the start of the season where it was kind of weird and unexpected teams were popping up. What's your take on everything so far after the table started to shake out? Yeah, you've got you got Tottenham up top, um, Liverpool just behind them, uh, Chelsea in the top four, United, Leicester City, uh, Man City are all right there, kind of neck and neck with them. Um, you're, you're starting to see the teams you expected to see uh, rise to the top. The Chelsea Tottenham match about a week ago um, ended up in a in a nil nil draw. Uh, wasn't as exciting as you might've expected, but I think it showed two teams that were, weren't trying to make a mistake and know that if they win the games they need to win and they pull a couple points from the big matches, um, they, they could just end up winning the Prem. Um, what was interesting this week is, it's one of the first weeks I can remember in, in a while that all of the top teams took care of business. I mean, no one, no one dropped points. Um, most impressive was probably Liverpool and their 4-0 win over Wolves. Wolves are a very, very tricky team to beat. Um, and Liverpool really had no, no trouble whatsoever. It was the first game um, that Anfield had any fans. 
um, in, in quite a while. So uh, good for Liverpool. I, I think it is going to end up being – about a couple weeks ago, I said it's going to be wide open prem race. But two weeks later, it looks like it's going to be the same old heavyweight slugging it out towards the end. So uh, keep an eye on that. And speaking of being wide open, we're taping this as the Dallas versus Baltimore game is happening in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson just got a 35 or so yard run right up the middle on a play action. Nobody was near him. And that's about as wide open as you can possibly be. I'm sure you guys are going to see the replay when it comes across your TV in four seconds or less, but Lamar finally coming back into his true form. Connor, what was the most interesting game you watched in the past week? So the most interesting for me, I watched the the Jags. I mean, I watched all of them. I watched Red Zone. But for me, the Jags and the Vikings, as well as the Browns versus the Titans for a couple different reasons. The Jags and the Vikings, I would say the Vikings started out 1-5. They're now 5-1. and one. Always interesting to see how a Mike Zimmer team rounds up during as ramps up as they get into playoff time. And Justin Jefferson is probably a lock for rookie of the year uh, on that side has been playing unbelievably well. Um, the Vikings almost beat themselves a couple times with a Dalvin Cook fumble amongst other th- things. Maybe the most interesting spot there was after Dan Bailey missed a couple extra points and a 51 yard field goal to to win the game when they were in overtime and all the way down within inside the 10 yard line of the Jaguars. Zimmer kept running the ball instead of just kicking a field goal, showing absolutely no confidence in Bailey. So that'll be interesting to watch going down the stretch as they get into other close games. To be fair, the 51 yard field goal looked awful. It looked like he barely had the leg to kick it 40, 45 yards. And it was terrible. The Browns versus Titans. I was just trying to see if the Browns could pull a, Browns of the past and give away a 31 point lead which they almost did <laughs> almost did at the end um, credit to the Titans for not giving up and, and trying to call their way all the way back but also shows that this Browns team is for real they've had some strong wins they've had some good wins but also shows as Baker goes the Browns go if Baker Mayfield's playing well the Browns are a very very dangerous team with that de- defensive line and then the running back weapons of Chubb and Hunt to to complement the wide receivers in Mayfield. It's they'll be a very tough out, and I think he's got some undue uh, criticism this year for not putting up some numbers when they went through some absolutely terrible weather for two or three weeks there, where they really didn't have a chance to have any type of passing game. So it was fun to watch them be able to air it out against Tennessee and really build up a big lead and then hold on. So it'll be interesting to track those teams moving forward, but those are the, my games of the week. All right, moving quickly. It's worth mentioning new England blew out the LA chargers 45 to zero. And that's just a, a, another case of bill Belichick strikes again. And I don't think there's much else you can say about that one. Rory, what were your games of the week? Yeah, on the the Belichick versus Brady radar, um, Belichick's only a game back now, six and six. If the you know the Bucks are seven and five, um, we already talked you know about Washington quite a bit. Um, the other game for me, the Bills versus the 49ers, I, I felt like the Bills reestablished themselves this week as a as an actual contender in the AFC. Um, the 49ers are a tough team to play. It's a good defense. It's a well coached team. Um, if you're not ready for for the running schemes. Um, that they have, you're, you're going to kind of get bulldozed. And uh, Josh Allen came out and just lit them up. He had over 350, four touchdowns. 
Um, I, I think that the AFC is the Chiefs uh, conference right now until proven otherwise, but I would love to see a Bills Chiefs AFC championship. I, I think that would be a phenomenal game. If the Bills fans can get into the stadium, that would be the big factor there for me. Well, I mean, they don't have to get into the stadium to be fun to watch. Oh, they can just <laughs> ignore the pleas of the ownership group to not tailgate outside the stadium. That's right. You, you can't tell me that if the Bills make the AFC championship that those fans are not going to show up no matter what they're told they can and can't do and either tailgate or party. There's just no way. Yeah, did you guys see over the summer the fan at Fenway in Boston between when the Yankees were playing the Red Sox? A guy snuck up into the over the green monster, yeah. climbed the back of it, and started yelling and throwing his hat from the top of the wall. There's going to be some drunk Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia people. Yeah, or like it's um, what's that? What in Game of Thrones, the North Wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same temperature too. Ice King, yeah, climbing the North Wall. All right, storylines to watch. The Browns, not out of it yet. They picked up three straight wins now, and they are within shouting distance of Pittsburgh now that the Steelers have finally taken a loss. They're only two games out. Connor, what are you looking at? For me, I'm looking at if Alex Smith can return and take the, the Washington football team to the playoffs. I think that would be a pretty awesome comeback story for what he's been through over the past couple of years to be able to come in, take over quarterback duties, and I'm um, in a not so great division, but making it to the playoffs any year in the NFL is an accomplishment, no matter what team you are. Um, and people forget I me. Mean, Alex Smith is a winner. He was a winner at Utah. He only lost a few games, been a winner ever since he came into the NFL. Um, and he's doing that again with Washington. And Rory said it earlier, he doesn't make mistakes. And when he's got a coach that can build up the other pieces around him and write the gameplay for him, he has a good chance of winning. So I think it would be pretty awesome if Washington comes out of t on top on that on that NFC East just from a feel good story and Alex Smith just I think for playing in one game this year is the comeback player of the year and now that he's winning even more so. My storyline for the for the year, um, truthfully, I, I really love the Alex Smith storyline as well. I think that that's just awesome for him. Um, he's getting props from everyone around the league too for coming back. Um, I'm curious to see, I mentioned, I think the AFC is the chiefs conference, but who's going to take charge of the NFC. Um, it, it feels about as wide open as it can get right now. I mean, every top team has its flaws. Uh, the Packers have looked really good at times. The Seahawks have looked really good at times. Um, then you've got uh, the rest of the NFC West, which, which has looked good off and on the Rams when the defense shows up are very challenging to beat. Um, but Jared Goff, you never really know what you're going to get with him. Um, the saints, uh, defense has really been very good over the last two to three weeks. Um, I might put my money on the saints right now, if I'm putting money on anyone in the NFC, um, especially when Drew Brees comes back and Taysom Hill, you know, kind of returns to that, that role where you really have to game plan for him, even though you don't know when he's going to pop up. Um, and he's looked pretty good as a quarterback, but when you have Drew Brees as your quarterback, and then you can add that element, you know, that, that that's a challenge. So um, I'm going to put my money there, but uh, a lot of teams, you know, could, could make a run in the NFC interesting to see who who end up being that number one seed and, and have the, uh, have the advantage. Yeah. For me, the NFC, the entire NFC, not just a specific division is basically no man's land in a world war one battlefield. 
there's pitfalls and traps games and there's a very real and present danger with covid situations and nobody knows what's going on it's a mess nobody seems to be advancing through the fog of war and every single division seems like it's either a complete joke or worse I think I'm with Rory here on this. I think if the Saints defense keeps playing the way it does and you bring back Breeze and you have that dual quarterback situation with the offensive talent, I just, I don't see, I mean, it took the Minnesota miracle a couple of years ago to beat them. I think my prediction at the beginning of the year was the Saints to finally win the, the NFC championship. And I, I think with the defense rounding into shape, they'll be the hardest team to beat in the playoffs. And the 38-3 domination of the Buccaneers a few weeks ago was the start of that. All right, moving on. Final thoughts. One last thought from everybody. All right, you sad sacks. Last call. Rory, I see you've got uh, something in bold here written on the page. What's your one last thought? Yeah, mine just says screw the college football playoff committee. That's about it for me. Typical Cincinnati fan. Connor, any final thoughts? My final thought is if with the Michigan game being canceled and if OSU isn't allowed to play in a Big Ten championship at 5-0, and should they even be considered? I think if you look at raw talent and just what they're able to do, they probably are one of the best teams on paper in the college football, probably deserve to be in the top four. But if they've only played five games and there are 10-1 teams out there, do they deserve that spot over a 10 and one team or even a nine and two team? I think that's going to be a very interesting storyline to watch. I've got two last thoughts. I know it's cheating, but bear with me here. The NHL is scheduled tentatively to return on January 13th. And it was supposed to come back on January 1st, even though they had already canceled the winter classic and outdoor games, which was a bummer, but hockey will be back soon. And my real final thought, the State Farm commercials with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers. I swear there's a new one every week or every second week with them, whether it's at the golf course or Patrick playing with a ketchup bottle or arguing over whose rate is better. I can't get away from the State Farm commercials. I think they have a lot, and they're also the State Farm commercials with the fake Chris Paul that seem to come out every other month, too. So it's they're, they're everywhere. To be fair, I think they're well done, um, and the, the acting is what you'd expect for a couple NFL players, but they pull it off pretty well. So, And you can tell I, Patrick Mahomes got better over time from the old, the original State Farm commercials he did to the newest ones that are coming out. His acting has actually gotten better, it seems. Mm-hmm. State Farm got lucky that they got him in there. And now that Rogers is nearing the end of his career and Mahomes is starting his, it looks like we'll have a lot more Mahomes State Farm commercials over the next decade. It's a great combo with lots of chemistry. And speaking of great things, you should go download the Fans Place app on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And while you're at it, go visit the website, thefansplace.com, to check out blogs the podcast and other great content, including a new video series that'll be coming out soon featuring brothers in sports that Rory and Connor are going to be tackling together. Other than that, anything else guys? I think that's it. Exciting stuff coming. All right. That's been week 13. We'll see you guys next week.